Welcome to 24 Karis. I'm Kelly Johnson, founder and CEO of Karis by KJE. We are in week three of a fantastic conversation about inclusive leadership. We have an amazing panel here with us, which we are so grateful that they are sharing their wisdom, insight, and perspective about this important topic. So if you've missed previous episodes, be sure to go back because there's been amazing context and um, just a great conversation. So we're so thankful for Chip Bond from Keurig Dr. Pepper. It's always a little bit of a tongue twister for me, but I'm working on it. Ana Rodriguez from SMU Cox, Latino Leadership Initiative. And last but certainly not least, Kamisha Mason from McCarthy Building Companies. So uh, thank you all so much. And of course, um, my colleague, Annalise Alamo here with us today. So we're gonna pick back up. We've been talking about inclusive leadership. We've focused heavily on just the behaviors, like what does inclusive leadership look like? What's the impact? Uh, what's required? Today, we want to just like lean in further and talk about like accountability. Um, you know, what gets measured gets done. We've heard that in our professional careers. And I think to a degree, leadership requires that accountability. It requires systems and practices that support inclusive leadership. So we're going to start with you, Anna. Um, what, what does it take to uh, really help hold leaders accountable for being inclusive? I think. Um, a big part of it is just acknowledging that there's an issue. And so I love the fact that right now we're in the environment of where companies are being held accountable by asking, well, and they have to publish now, like many of them are publishing their um, representation numbers, what their leadership council looks like um, to the public. And I think that's so important. Um, but a big reason for that is because of public pressure. And so when you think about these younger generations that are coming into the workforce, like they have a whole different mentality where when I graduated 20 years ago, I mean, I was told never to question. You just, you know, work hard, you know, be thankful you have a job. But now, um, as we think about, like, my oldest daughter's 19, and, I mean, she's, when she's looking at employers, she's like, well, what, what do these numbers look like? Because for, especially for that generation, it's so important for them to be inclusive versus, you know, I was told to just work hard. And I just, I love that. I love that right now we're in that type of, that we can have that much influence to really, force companies to start re releasing their numbers. And that's the first step, right? Once we know what it looks like, then we have a starting point and can go from there. Yeah. Who wants to take that next? I mean, I think, so I love that you took it from sort of an external pressure um, standpoint, which is very real. Um, and we saw kind of over the last few years, um, just this empowerment globally, not just in the U.S., because, you know, the U.S., we have our own unique history when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, um, but globally, uh, throughout the pandemic, throughout kind of the, the really egregious uh, fatalities like George Floyd, but many, many, many others, you know, we saw a global kind of awakening that, hey, this isn't okay. This isn't okay. So who wants to go next? Chip, you going? Sure. <laughs> I actually, I love where we started on this. And, you know, even in starting to think about this topic, there's this difference in my head of individual accountability and kind of organizational or system level accountability. And, you know, the, the, the concern or the, the watch out associated with individual accountability is that it leads to um, disingenuous action. Mm -hmm. That individuals feel like, oh, well, I have to do this because, and they don't actually care about it. They're doing something because it's a box they have to check. Um, 
but the, the, the comments that Anna was making, I like so much because when you think about being an owner in a company or an organization or having responsibility, like having your skin in the game on it, um, you do care. And the thing that came to my mind when you were talking is talent, that if I have an organization I'm trying to grow and advance and talent is looking at my company saying, see ya, then, then I care about it not because of not because there's a box I need to check. I care about it because the advancement of something that I care about individually is linked to connecting to this topic. And that's a that's a positive force in my opinion that we are culturally starting to support the need to care about um, topics around inclusion. I love both of those responses. Um, the idea that a culture, when it comes to accountability, is it is measured by the worst behavior that you're willing to accept and the best behaviors that you're willing to promote. So if you start to think about inclusion from that standpoint, what's acceptable to you as an organization? What will you allow from your people? And then what will you celebrate from your people? Well, it'll, it'll start to tell you a lot about who you are organizationally. Um, holistically, when, when I think about accountability, I think about the things that we measure, right? You're right. What, what gets measured gets done. And in some spaces, DEI, inclusion in particular, is something that we get really nervous about measuring because we think that it is solely um, qualitative and if you're in a space like I'm in a space where everybody is wired to see numbers and data, they wanna be able to see that. And there's certainly um, different elements of inclusion that we can measure, whether it's coming from our engagement surveys, um, it's, it can be measured in how we're um, providing stretch opportunities, what we're doing in terms of leadership advancement, all of those things are also hard data points. And if you're trying to get from point A to point B, if that's a real goal for you, then you got to ask yourself who's responsible for meeting that mark. And if we don't meet that mark, who are we holding accountable for it? And it can't just be your person that leads your diversity practice, right? Like everybody in the organization has to be bought in in the same way that we expect our most senior leaders to be bought into the other things that we say are critical to business. And so if you're talking about accountability, you gotta measure it in terms of what do I want my organization to be known for? What places in this space is most important to me and how does it show up for the talent that come and work and deliver exceptional service every single day? And how am I going to, as an organization, course correct if something isn't hitting the mark that we've said was critical to our success? If any part of that is negotiable, you're not accountable. So I think we could take this in like a million different directions. So I'm trying to decide. And what I think I would love for us to talk about is let's give let's give a little grace right so Karis, you know that's the one of the meanings of our names grace goodwill and kindness so let's give a little grace to the leader who says hey i you know they're well intended because 99 percent of us are well intended uh but maybe 
being inclusive seems so big. I don't know where to start. Um, if, if we could just kind of maybe support the leader who says, hey, I do think it's important. I don't fully understand everything. Um, and I wanna be accountable. Like I want to incorporate inclusion in my day to day. Like what advice would you give to the leader? I first acknowledge the fact that, you know what? You don't know everything. Guess what? Join the party. I don't either. I don't know everything. And so by admitting that you don't know the things, you've already started to be an inclusive leader because you've expressed vulnerability. And with that particular leader, because I do think that inclusion is about really meeting somebody where they are, I would spend some time understanding what they what they know and feel comfortable with and where they might have some space to grow. Is there is there some unconscious biases that they know that they need to work through? Whenever I talk about that, I always use myself and as, as an example. When I'm recruiting for a team, there's a certain type of candidate that I, that I really love. And I know that I have to interrupt that bias by having a whole panel, because otherwise we're gonna have a whole bunch of introverts on my team, right? Th- those, are just <laughs> those are just things that I have to watch out for. And that's a very practical example of, hey, I wanna help you understand where you are so that we can start to interrupt the things that are at play. Inclusion doesn't have to be this massive overhaul. It could be as simple as, I'm gonna take a personal inventory assessment about what I understand, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on this thing. I'm gonna say hi to everybody every morning. Again, I'm the introvert. <laughs> it's gonna take a lot of energy, but I'm gonna say hi to every to everybody every single morning and let them know something that I really appreciate that they may have done either last week or something like that. Those little bitty incremental behaviors are very much about what inclusion is. And that looks different for everybody, but that grace is important. And as long as an individual is willing to take that inventory and be vulnerable, that's somebody that you can get from point A to point B because they want to be a great leader And like Chip said, if you're not being inclusive, you're not leading. I mean, I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's the little intentions. And I mean, when you think about what, there's so many things you can do, but the important thing is that you do something. And even little things like making sure if you're in a room, statistically it shows that women um, don't speak up as often as men, right? So if you're in a room and you're a man, making sure that if you you have female colleagues and they haven't said anything, call on them to help. So the little things I think is really where you're gonna make the most impact versus instituting a big policy, um, you know, tying um, bonuses and promotions to, um, to like how you're supporting your diverse leaders. I think all of that is necessary, but ultimately it's the small things that every person is going to do to work closer toward that goal of inclusion. I mean, I'm, I'm... To, at, at risk of sounding like a broken record, it is the small things. The, the, when Kamisha was talking, the thought that I was having was not everyone who does great work around inclusion is going to have a biography written about them. Most people that get involved and do good work around this topic aren't going to have a biography written about them. And it requires that population of people the middle, the, you know, the, the, the masses of us who could get involved in this to do a bunch of little things and make that the norm for the, for the, you know, for the needle to move in the, in the right direction. Um, so I, I completely agree. Like, find a small thing you can do, self-reflection. Ask yourself if you really like, know your team members. Try to write some notes about what you think they're thinking. And if you 
don't know the answer, then find a way to ask them. Yeah, and I think for, for all the examples you gave, for someone that's maybe like new to the space or still trying to understand is like, oh, that's examples of inclusion, right? And I love, you know, for, for that we also don't know everything. Like we are also learning in this space and we're, we're DEI practitioners. Like we do this, you know, we, do, we train, we, we do, but I, I think we also learn um, from others and the examples you all gave are, are so tangible. Right? It's not so over the head or overwhelming because everyone can do those small things or those little things. But I think that light bulb going off to say, oh, that's in being inclusive leader? Yeah, well, yes. Um, and I think that's, that's a transformational moment as well. Absolutely. I love that. So now the other side of me, of the grace of little kindness. Oh, yes. Leans heavy on the courage and challenging. So on an organizational <laughs> level, Let's just kind of get it in real quick before we wrap up. I, I do hold organizations on an organizational level that has significant resources, makes decisions. We see a lot of organizational data that shows historic trends around, you know, you've been recruiting and promoting for a number of years, but your leadership still looks the way that it looks, right? Or, you know, whatever it might be. So even engagement survey data, right? For five years, trust has been an issue in your organization, right? We see it, we see everything. Um, and I want us to just maybe talk a little bit about, you can leave your organizations um, kind of out of this part of the conversation, but what would you say to organizations that haven't quite made the level of investment, paid as much attention to this space as, as the organizations that you happen to be in? You know, I would bank on the fact that if an, if an organization has consistently seen um, a lack of advancement across all of their areas where they have representation, if um, softer skills or inclusive things like respect and trust and um, the ability to be open and share opinion are things that continuously pop up in their employee engagement survey, you can say that you're not quite ready to make that investment in DEI or inclusive leadership, but at the same time, you're also saying you're not ready to make the investment in your organization. Because as those things continue to spiral in a direction that you don't want them to, you're gonna turn over employees, right? And it, it can take anywhere between 45 to 60% of the staff's salary to replace them. So now we're talking about a loss in profitability and you're, you're talking about the loss of training. Anna brought it up earlier about, hey, when you're promoting, there's this opportunity to grab um, talent that you've had for quite some time that you've invested all of this money in. So I said 45 to 60 percent of their salary to replace them. That doesn't even get into the amount of money that you've invested into your talent over time to get them to be this great employee that they've been. So you're saying, you think that you're saying no to investing in inclusive leadership or DNI training or put any bow that you want to on it. But what you're really saying no to is the progress of your organization. And so I would, I would have to ask you, do you still want to be in business? Come that's, on. The, that's the core yeah. question. Do you, do, do you want to have doors to open in the next five to 10 years? Because if you keep saying no, there are a lot of other organizations, regardless of the cl climate that we're in, who understand 
there is a tide that has shifted and changed the way people think about work. We see it in hybrid work. We see it in more demand for work-life flexibility. All of those things continue to stack and evolve the way people look at work today. So say no if you'd like, but I'm just going to maybe suggest that it has consequences. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, if, if they're going to get left behind and if they are profitable, they're not being as profitable as they could be. Absolutely. Last thing I just want to add, I love the example of the engagement survey. We talked about earlier, if you know, sometimes we're adults, but we still feel like we don't know the answers. So ask, use the engagement survey and ask your organization, ask the employees you have, what would make this feel different? How could we get better? And you, it doesn't mean that you're going to do everything the employees suggest, but they might be thinking of a lot of stuff that you haven't thought of yet. So listen to them. Yeah. And if you're going to ask, you better do something. Yeah. You may not do everything, right? Because usually you can't do every single thing. Um, but the accountability of that comes in with, hey, you told us, we asked you, you told us these five things. This year, we're able to do this one, right? And that, you know, really communication, I think, of what the organization is going to do, um, the fact that we did engage people, that goes a long way in kind of building that engagement, building that inclusion, and getting employees to trust that the organization is trying to do the right thing. Um, I do, yes, the tides have shifted. Employees' expectations are extremely high. But I do think, generally speaking, employees can be fair to say, hey, my organization is trying, um, or they did listen. And when we communicate sort of the business reasons why we made the decisions that we made, um, employees generally can, can understand that. So um, this has been another great conversation. So glad we could really just talk about the accountability, because this is not, you know, we're not here to play patty cake. Um, I'm definitely of the mindset of those organizations who do not pay attention to diversity, equity, and inclusion will stagnate and die. And there are many organizations that have filed for bankruptcy over the last few years, um, even before the pandemic and some of those economic challenges. We've seen brands that just become obsolete because they did not pay attention to competition. And so what I have seen as a student, a practitioner of this work for over 20 years, the organizations that have filed for bankruptcy, in particular in recent years, and even those organizations that became obsolete, I never really saw them have a public commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So do the homework, do the research. I will leave those organizations nameless here um, to protect the innocent or guilty. Um, but. Pay attention to those organizations who are really struggling financially. Um, how, what's their culture like? What's their, uh, the diversity of their teams? How inclusive is that culture? Are they engaging their employees to solve business problems? Research shows typically not. So great conversation. Thank you so much. Um, we have had another just amazing time to really think about inclusive leadership, the impact that we can have in our organizations, and then the accountability that's required to really see growth and progress, uh, to really transform cultures, which at, at Keras, that is totally what we're about. So until next time, tune in for another great conversation at 24 Keras, where we help you live out your commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion 24 seven.